These three media. Hello and welcome to the interviews from These Three Media with me, Ian Barstow. Thank you so much for downloading this episode of the podcast and subscribing to the interviews. Um, and uh, thank you so much for, for downloading and enjoying this episode. So this week, um, would you start an Italian food business in the middle of a pandemic? Well, my guest this week did just that and in the process has also grown a following on TikTok and social media, which is where I first found him. We'll talk about that later. Um, it is my pleasure in welcoming him to the interviews, owner of Taglio Tellio. Um, this is uh, Otello Calvert. It, and have, have I got that right? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, go on then, introduce yourself because um, I, I could struggle on that for a while. <laughs> That's fine. My name is Otello Calvert and I own Tagliotello. Tagliotello. There we go. Thank you. Good start. <laughs> um, I'm very used to doing it. <laughs> um, so welcome to the interviews. Um, thank you so much for joining us. Um, I first found um and found you on tiktok um you you arrived on my for follow you page um or for you page and it was like this man's got a lot of energy this man's <laughs> yeah. this man's very bubbly and happy um let me just swipe and have a look at some other videos and then it was like i'm gonna follow um so you've sort of grown this tiktok family um who followed your journey in starting your business so, first of all, what is your what is the business that you started in this um, troubled in these difficult times? I started a fresh pasta business, so I have um, I make fresh pasta pretty much daily with rustic style Italian sauces. So I have authentic Italian ingredients, and then I use local produce, and I do both rustic Italian traditional sauces, and then I also kind of mix it up with some. Um, Scottish produce, so like oxtail ragu, which is quite popular with me, and then I do a lot of tiramisu, and I mix that up with stuff doing like cranachan tiramisu, and cranachan is a very traditional Scottish dessert, so I was like, oh, I'll put that with tiramisu, and I, that's, I just have fun with it, really. Um, so it's just a, a Italian-style rustic food pasta business thing that I just kind of had fun with. <laughs> and what made you start the bit? Because so basically, you run you run it out of a um out of a mobile food um yep. trailer um yep. that you've kitted out um you're on you've you posted a video recently where you were doing your admin and you looked out and you've got a beautiful view um mm. where you are so where whereabouts are you based i'm a bogbane farm in inverness um and the absolutely lovely wonderful owners uh bruce mcgregor and joda silva oh god i hope i'm saying your second name right um <laughs> They I can't, I can't comment and say names I, wrong. No, I can't <laughs> wrong. Um, when I was looking for a place to be, um, I was kind of channeled through to them. And I, they've been absolutely fantastic. And they are with me every step of the way. And they're giving me opportunities I never thought I could have. So I'm very grateful to kind of have that place where they're letting me be, as well as giving me opportunities to do new things. And... How's it going, first of all? Because um, I say, we are recording this in um, on May the 17th, I think it is. Um, in the UK, we've just come out, we're just on step three. We've opened up a little bit more. Scotland, I think, is on pretty much the same path at the moment. But how's it been starting a business in this time? Um, and is it going well? 
it is going well in some in some ways yes in some ways no it's it's always interesting this month i anticipated to be quiet anyway because the pubs are opening up and now they're opening up indoors so the novelty of eating inside is becoming a big thing again yeah so i say yes and no because on monday i went and did a pop-up at mcgregor's bar in inverness which is rank rated uh Scotland's number one bar, and I've never sold so many portions of pasta in the space of three hours. Um, so it, that went really well, but that's because I was in the bar. Now, Bog Bain is situated just a little bit outside of Inverness. And then, so when I was open my normal times, which is five to eights on Thursdays to Sundays, I was quite quiet, but I anticipated being quiet. Um, and I say also yes, because I one of the reasons I chose pasta is because it's affordable. If you know, I make everything from scratch. I don't buy anything in pre-made. It's all made by me. Um, and that keeps a lot of costs down. It's just me that does everything. Um, so I'm, because I'm not technically on a wage, it just kind of, I get by very cheaply <laughs> as a person. <laughs> and the business, I try to make it as affordable for everybody as possible. And I'm always looking for new opportunities. Just today, I went and had a meeting with... Um, one of the head chefs and guys that helps run Inverness Botanic Gardens and hopefully going to be doing something with them. And I've got plans and partnerships with here, there and everywhere and just supporting locality and other businesses. So it's ticking over, uh, but with the prospect of getting bigger. Well, I mean, I say getting bigger. I'm only three months in. It's 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 kind of done done quite well, considering I'm only on my third month. And it was in a time when... I say, well, I suppose actually you probably opened it at a good time because people could go out, couldn't they? And it was like a stop-off point and you could grab some food. So um, I'm gluten-free. Um, so unfortunately, oh. <laughs> I'm probably not a good person for, for, to come and have food unless you do gluten-free pasta. I that question a lot. But <laughs> it's just not feasible because if you're going to do gluten-free, one, I don't, I'd have to do it in a completely separate machine. Like yeah. there's no way you can risk... Doing that, I have to do it with separate machines, separate pot, separate environment because I cook everything in that two by three cubicle. Um, so keeping things gluten free is just nigh on impossible. Yes. Even if I bought in gluten free pasta, I wouldn't be able to make it in the trailer. Uh, no, and and see, and that's good to know that you. So a lot of places you go into, and they go, oh yeah, we do gluten free. Have you got different utensils? It's like, um, nope. no. Why do we have that? Well, because then uh, it's not gluten free, is it? No, and I've but I've worked, I've done shifts in places. Um, I've never worked in a professional kitchen before. I did not come from a background in catering. I came from a background in, uh, I used to uh, manage a whiskey bar on Sky. I'd done admin. I've worked in grocery shops. Um, I studied film and TV. And so I food was always just kind of like a thing that I was interested in. And then kind of, so when it comes to actually working in the kitchen, the way that things are normally done in the kitchen, I don't know how that is done. I was just, I've just had to kind of go by the book and by what I've studied. So allergies and stuff like gluten has terrified me <laughs> make sure that i'm on the ball with it because you know who are the people come and inspect these food places to make sure that you're doing things okay they can turn up at any any time pretty much so i have to be on the ball because it's not just the business is on the line it's also everything that i am because the business sustains me yes no i can i can imagine um so tiktok um what made you start um your tiktok <laughs> channel and are you surprised because Yes. It does sort of feel like when you watch one of your videos and you look at the comments, uh, all, all the comments seem really positive. Um, and people are like, really, you're doing so well. Even when you post ones when you, like you said, I've had a really bad day, I've had a hard day, it's been tough. You look at the comments and people are like, no, you've got this, carry on. Um, so what's it like being on TikTok and, and having 
quite a following. You've got 13, 13 and a half thousand people of, of following you. Mm. So what's that like? It, I was, I've been quite, I was against TikTok for quite a while. <laughs> I didn't, I'm not about the people being false. It's a very philosophical philosophical thing for me is i i'm very much me i don't put any on any facades i'm not two-faced i am me i bounce off walls and i'm very much wearing my heart on my sleeve and all my friends know this as i'm very much there's no falsity behind me and i didn't like tiktok or the side of tiktok that i knew because i just didn't like the tropes and the trends and people doing things for followings and stuff like that. so when i was i got to my first day of opening and i was like right okay i've I was my I had friends encouraging me to get TikTok for a while because on Snapchat I like being a complete dumbass and it, <laughs> they find that they found it very entertaining because I would do stuff that was just I live by myself so I have a lot of time and space in my head and sometimes it goes a little bit weird and awry <laughs> so they were like you need to get on TikTok you need to show people what you're doing I was like right, okay maybe I can get some customers through this way so I posted that first video which is me making the first carbonara and me going absolutely insane um and then it just kind of went a little bit nuts like it slowed down now but i hit like 10k in what like a month a month and a half which was just kind of mad um and i've met i've i've had customers come up from tiktok i've, I've had people those guy a family came up from imouth the other day um and they said we love your videos we love your stuff we were so glad that we came up and you're open and they um, i always ask people when they come to the trailer how did you find out about me to find where where people are whether it's word of mouth or facebook marketing or and the ones that come up from tiktok are always interesting i always get a different reaction from the people that, <laughs> that come to me up from tiktok because they actually want to see i'm actually nuts which I am. <laughs> um so it's uh, yeah it's been a very interesting experience um it's some of it's mixed some of it's good like a lot of people have been trying to message me and kind of get on my personal side of life which i'm not about i am quite i like to keep myself to myself um i'm not very used to the forwardness of people hitting on me that's, that's <laughs> a little bit uncomfortable sometimes i'm not gonna lie um because that is like proposals uh, by men and women and <laughs> there's people sliding into my instagram facebook dms and quite, i've now locked my facebook profile page down because I, that gets messages but then other people are very lovely and very respectful uh people have sent me things um some uh, one of my followers uh, sent me uh, saw that my kind of I had a hard day and I've been working for like two weeks and he sent me some wine for me to chill out and it's just absolutely I can't believe how nice and I'm so glad that I found the side of TikTok that I've gotten a very happy and positive side of things and I actually get excited and perked up to do the videos because I know that I'm giving someone else a good day. It does, um, it, it, it does bring a smile and it does bring a smile to my my face when I see a new video. It's like. I don't want to watch that. And that's it. Um, do you find those at TikTok, if you're not, when you're not posting, but you're going on just to watch, do you find that about four hours later, <laughs> you're still, still flicking through the videos? Okay. That says more about me. I get five minutes on the loo or I'm sat, um, I'm sat eating breakfast in the car a little or something like that. And I'll have a quick scroll through. Um, but otherwise, I don't. I don't really watch that much. So therefore, my feed is full of trash. It's just I, I don't really. It, it's kind of getting a little bit better now, but it's I don't really go on it that much because I don't, I'm not amused by the content. I like the other creators' things, but then all of the the kind of again, like I was saying before, the trends and the tropes. I'm not really there for or into. No, some of them are um, a, a bit odd. 
yes. <laughs> I think is a good way of putting it. Um, so you're running your business. How many hours a day are you putting into your into this business at the moment? How, how what is your working day like? How long is a piece of strip? <laughs> um, I'm because I, it's not a normal typical job. I could go. I'll get up in the mornings and I'll just go. And so I'll get up and everything I do is business related. So if, whether it's going to get something from the shops or running around, I spend a lot of time in the car kind of going and getting things organizing. And then I take sometimes my slowest, the most chill part of the day is actually when I'm at the trailer during service. Um, and some days I'll go to the trailer with uh, like no bookings. And then I'll, my phone will start going and won't stop ringing for 30 minutes. And then I'm fully booked. Um, and then there'll be other days where I'll have three bookings and I won't do any more. Um, I have some zero days where I don't do anything, but that's something that is to be expected. I knew this month was going to be quiet. Um, so though that's actually, I, it's, I don't know. I don't, sometimes I don't even consider it working because I'm enjoying myself and I'm doing, it's what I want to do and it's for me. So some days I'm kind of a little bit tired. I was tired after uh, two, the last week because I'd been going for two weeks flat out and um I, I, I know other small business owners that work way more than I do. Um, but in terms of like being engaged with the job, um, pretty much all day. Well, because we I, I own, with my partner, I own a, um, a holiday let. So obviously mm. we've been, last year has been pretty much wiped out. We've been pretty much closed. Um, and it is... It is very much, I, I work full time as well. So I've got a normal job. Um, my partner, he looks after the um, the holiday let side. But you can spend hours there doing stuff that needs to be done to make it the business work. Mm. Um, but are you, by the sounds of it, you sound like you're finding it very rewarding. And, you're, and you're loving what you're doing at the moment. Yeah. And it's like, again, I'll have days like yesterday where I do zero but I'll spend that time doing admin for other stuff to make money and do other things. Just today I went for a meeting with someone down at the Inverness Botanics and we came up with a great idea there. Um, and then I did like, I didn't expect to do so well at McGregor's and that McGregor's that those two days have helped cover me for almost the rest of the month really. Um, but again, it's the business I designed it to turn over on a very small amount so that it was affordable for me and affordable for other people. So even when I have zero days, um, that's it's okay. Um, but there, there's always stuff to do and things to improve. Like now, I, I the trailer, I, I can't take that trailer anywhere yet. I was I just going to ask you: is it, a, is it a portable? Can you, can you drive it around places? I don't have a car that tows, nor do I have a towing license. I have friends. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I have, um, and then they get sent in return. Um, so my plan is now is is to kind of get it mobile. The back doesn't actually have a vinyl on it. I'm just going to paint it black for now because I don't have the money to get another vinyl <laughs> put on it. Um, so it's just doing, it's a fully DIY kind of job. And if like you're on my Instagram, I've got a highlight there called The Build. I spent, you can see me tearing it out and building it from scratch over two, three months. So because it's that, um, it's, I know, I mean, I know how to fix absolutely everything in there. Um, apart from the gas and electricity, I don't mess with that. Um, but it's nearly ready to move. Nearly ready. So is is that the plan? Is to take the take your your trailer, go to food festivals, go to outdoor markets, go to these, which hopefully in the summer there'll be loads of these places where you can go to the food food halls and all this sort of stuff. 
is that the plan then is it is it to start making it more mobile to to get out in front of yeah. more people mm-hmm. so Bog Bane it will kind of always be probably the home for for the trailer where it goes back to or something but um i'm still playing around and trying to i've been out i was out hunting for spots today so like lurking around corners and um seeing what i can find and because like there's all sorts of costs associated with getting it moving it's not just about getting the trailer moving it would be about getting the finance for a car that tows it's the towing license that costs money there's um Let's see, there's a generator. If I don't find anywhere that has a plug, I have, there's all sorts of costs that are involved in that. And because it's only three months, um, there, I still need to build up like a reserve and I need to do this and do that and all this kind of stuff. So the, the product's good and I'm working on delivery as well for next week. But there's a million one things to do to, in order for that to happen. But it's not too far away. It's not too far off, I don't think. So where did your, where did your interest in cooking and italian food i'm 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 taking from your name that you have some italian heritage in your in your family mm. um so is that where is that is that where the love of italian food come from so i'm half italian uh my mom's italian and uh i always kind of came up with very good home-cooked food i always and it wasn't just like we never really made pasta at home uh or made homemade fresh pasta at least uh, but fat pasta was a kind of a featured meal always at least once or twice at least throughout the week um, but my mom always cooked really nice good foods she made um, amazing Chinese food um, of cuisine from all over the place a lot of my parents traveled a lot um, Caribbean France um, Italy Greece um, and they've taken a lot of influence from healthy food sorry my, one of my phones just went off and I'm not sure which one it was um, <laughs> Sorry. Distracted. <laughs> um, that says something when you've got more than one phone. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. Um, anyway, so... Are you sure always... it's Italian food you're selling? <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, I'm, I will still get calls on Mondays and Tuesdays being, hi, can I put an order in for tonight? It's like, I'm afraid I'm closed. Um, but anyway, back to food. Um, and c- cooking, when I went to university, cooking was like, I couldn't really do... I had friends that survived just off fuel which i did for a short time as well myself or oh, yeah, i've had that <laughs> uh, instant meals and snack pots and instant noodles and that my my mom my person barely ever took us to mcdonald's um i mean i i do go probably on more occasions than i want to admit now because <laughs> i have so little time and like oh it's 10 o'clock at night and i haven't eaten today and i don't have the time to cook when i get home um so i would just go and grab something real quick and it's just for sustenance uh but anyway um when I was last year, I was working for my best friend's company who he does landscaping and gardening and I was making our pack lunches. Um, and I had friends that were like, you could sell this, you could do something with this. And so I was like playing around with ideas of what I could do and this and that. And then I went through about a dozen different iterations of menus that had like risotto and all sorts of different Italian foods on there. I bought books, I studied. Um, and over the period of about six months, I kind of I was like, okay, pasta, that's something that's affordable. No one else is really doing that here in Inverness. Let's do that. And I enjoy pasta. So that's kind of where it went. It was just kind of by if, tick, what boxes did it tick and what didn't Inverness didn't have. And um, it just went best into the marketing plan and all of that kind of stuff. So that's kind of how I ended up at pasta. Um, and Italian food is just, who doesn't like pasta? Exactly. Yes. <laughs> And I wanted to introduce Inverness to a very different kind of, well, I wanted to introduce them to the OG, like what is 
pack like the good stuff and it's that i have a, i do a bronze extrusion so in italy it was bronze extrusion oh shut up uh go away sorry <laughs> <laughs> i put up a share a shared competition on my facebook page yesterday so every now and again it goes a little bit nuts um where was i i've lost my point now uh bronze Oh yes, bronze Think, extrusion. Yes. Yeah. So there's hand there's hand rolled pastas and then there's extrusions. So they used to have these big it looks like a big wine opener, and you put the dough in and then basically you turn the handle and out the bottom there's like a, a big bronze coin, um, and that you push the pasta out. So basically this is a mechanical version of that that I have, and so it's an industrial machine, um, and I pull I pull a fresh pasta from that. Um, so what's your what's your most popular? Food that you've got at you when oxtail ragu and tiramisu. Oxtail ragu, that sounds really. <laughs> I really nice. Um, Dingwall oxtail, so twenty minutes up the road. I slow cooked that um, with uh, wine and sofrito, and I'll keep that recipe to myself. Um, <laughs> and then I served that with pappardelle, which is egg pasta. Um, and I probably go through on good weeks. I'll do about four or five kilos of that. See when I so. Obviously, a lot of British people with pasta, they'll have the pasta and then they'll have a bottle, a massive bottle of sauce, and they'll just drown drown the pasta in sauce. Is that the way to do it, or is it meant to no. be you meant to have <laughs> a little bit of sauce on no. the pasta? So, what you're meant to do, what's the best way for sauce, is that you're meant to toss it together. You're meant to mix it in a bowl or put it in a pan. So I, I, you can see in the videos, I've got the hang on, I've got the word here, and um, it is called. Study notes. <laughs> I'm not sure if I can read my handwriting. It's a. I'm gonna go look it up properly before I try to pronounce <laughs> it before I'm chained by my ancestors. Um, but basically, you're meant to uh, finish off in the pan, and a lot of people just throw out the water from the pasta and what you what the start what's in there is starch, and what that helps is it clings to the pasta and it gives it texture and it gives it flavor. Um, so I finish off all of my pastas in the pan, toss it with the sauce, um, and then add some of the starchy water to it as well. And that helps the, the sauce grip the pasta. Now, there's different sauces go with different pastas better, and the different pasta shapes grab different sauces better. So like gnocchi grabs wet sauces uh, better. So like gnocchi and butter, gnocchi and tomato, and um, like smoother ones. And then the pappardelle, spaghetti and bolognese, um, traditionally in Italy, in Emilia-Romagna, it's tagliatelle goes with bolognese um, and over here the Brits do with spaghetti um, but depending upon the size of the pasta it, it works different basically um, but I, I mean I used to do that I used to just put the pasta on the plate and then put the sauce on top of it I didn't toss it together before so everything that I've kind of learned has been in like the last year and I've looked back at old videos of me making food or something and I'm like what the hell am I doing? <laughs> so is that why you have so obviously you have the, and I don't know the names of them. But you have the shell, the shells. I presume they're to Cotini. capture the cotini something, and then you've got the the twist ones. Yeah. So I presume all of those pastas are for different types of sauce because they hold the sauce better, or is it different? We Italians are very proud people. You can go from one town to the next two miles over, and they'll have the same pasta with a different name or a slightly different method, and they'll be very proud of the fact that is different and it is theirs so it depending upon where you are in italy depends upon the kind of sauce the pasta that, that 
that um, they have basically. So like Fusely, I, I, I couldn't tell you off the top of my head where that's kind of more popular from, but I think it's South. Um, there's there's a dime a dozen different kinds of pastas. There's a huge there's a huge amount, and there's people that are still making up different kinds of pastas as well by changing one little thing about it. Um, so you can get. Uh, I've just seen a, a pasta company in. Uh, Toronto in Canada, and he actually took the bronze dye into a, a workshop, and it was originally um, uh, rigatoni. Um, what he did was he filed out the ridges, the rigate, and then he made that's because he took that out, and he has now short tubes of pasta of a diff of a diameter and thickness. It's a now new type of pasta, technically, and the, he gave the opportunity to his customers and his staff to name this type of pasta. So, is that your thing next? Are you going to make your own pasta? Your own Maybe. style. <laughs> I was. I, I keep getting egg to do mac mac and cheese, and I was like, I'm not. I'm not gonna, it's that's an American kind of thing. And the closest Italian Italian will get to mac and cheese is uh, uh, cacio e pepe. Or I what I did was I took bucatini, which is a long pasta with a hole in the middle of it. All I did was cut it short, so I called it corta bucatini, and it looks like Marshall spaghetti. <laughs> It looks like the spaghetti that you get out of a craft box. And I did that with uh, bechamel and taleggio, which is an alpine Italian cheese. And it's a cheesy pasta. So that's like, it looks like cheesy pasta. So that's what people are going to come for. But that was like me improvising on the, the shapes that I have to make something a little bit different. Um, to make a fresh macaroni. But um, I w- it would be nice to think that I could make my own pasta at some point. But we'll, 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 re- we'll do that when I get there. <laughs> Um, okay, so let's 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 go on. So when I did um, when I knew you were coming on, when, when sort of arranged for you to come on, I, I did a little bit of research. I googled you. Um, oh no! <laughs> and I have found this picture from <laughs> from your university days. No, no. Um, but I did find out that that you you said earlier as well that you do. Um, so you, did you study filmmaking and screenwriting at university? Is that what you did? As your I studied film at Falmouth University. So. And I, I, I found you, it said somewhere that you were a screenwriter, um, but you also, I also found you tried to um, start or fund a film. Oh, okay, yeah. No, we're gonna talk about that, are we? <laughs> yeah, I tried. So I got to move to Glasgow, and I wanted to find, um, I wanted to find local people, and I had this. I had this film that I'd written that I'd done drafts and drafts and drafts for. I got this awesome little crew together, um, and then tried to crowdfund it, and. Basic, I, basically, I had a bit of a personal torment that happened to me in Glasgow, um, which forced me to leave and basically start from scratch. So I moved the sky because I just it couldn't be there anymore. So that kind of all fell through. Um, and for the, the little money that I did get uh, was I was I kind of offered to give it back or it went into it went into this business. And a lot of the people that I offered it said, just use it for your next project. So it went into uh, me practicing foods uh for the, the current business that I have. So it's some, yeah, I still have the artwork actually. I've still got, I've got it in the folder right next to me. I've saved some memorabilia of a tried attempt. <laughs> Is this the, um, so I, I also found, I, and I, I think it's from yourselves, uh, from, from you, uh, Rings of Eternity. Oh, wow. You found that. <laughs> and and it was on, it was on Blurb. Yeah. <laughs> and it was that, like, I, I that, sort of downloaded it last night. And um, so is that like a, an outline for an idea you've had? That is a creative, that's called a creative Bible. Um, so when I was at university, my main interest was fantasy. Um, fantasy, Scottish myth and lore. I wrote my dissertation on anime. Um, 
which my lecturer had no idea what I was talking about. Um, <laughs> but I was, what I did was I spent a lot of time researching Scottish myth and lore. Um, and I studied all kind of different magical systems, fantasy books, how to put a fictional universe together. Um, and what I did was I took all of these different Scottish myths and lore and I created uh, basically a system where they could all coexist and work. As, so... And what I did then was I, I wrote it all down. So you have a creative Bible to basically keep track of all of your magical laws, your philosophy, your sociology, histories, all that kind of stuff. So you don't trip over yourself or make mistakes. It's like with um, Tolkien or George R.R. R. Martin, he actually hired people to make sure that he didn't make mistakes in these books with timelines and people and all that kind of stuff. That's like, that's a very, very, very basic version of what that is. It's just for me to keep track. And I worked with an illustrator to illustrate those ideas. And that, because I couldn't submit that with my final screenplay, that was my appendix <laughs> uh, for my, uh, my self-study. So my appendix was about 20,000 words <laughs> uh, for my, my 5,000 self-evaluation for the script. <laughs> so is that something that you want to go back to is that still something that you that you hanker for in, in your sort of i don't know in i don't know 10 years time or something you think i want to go back and i want to try and make either a film from that universe or a film is it still a, a love and a passion of yours i mean i i'm living a life now which is i think a lot of writers need to do in order to know what they write about and my close friends know how much drama that my personal life attracts and i've been in situations i i couldn't lie about and i won't get into but it's you, you couldn't you couldn't write it it just happens so i'm kind of i will get back to writing at some point and a lot of my personal life and influences will be in there for sure because it's entertaining just to say the least <laughs> um but yeah i want to go back and i've got a friend uh i call still quite often um down in i think he lives in bristol and he's still like working away on film and i he used to we wrote a script together um he, he'd never written a feature before so he actually ended up getting me onto this project where he'd been scouted to write this film which we'd spent six months writing and then disappeared and which is what happens with film films if you're a writer it, it's very difficult to, to get into that industry and to make money you're going to be working out with bars for 20 years and then you might land a script you might not um so what I'm doing now is I'm still following my main thing that I want to do, which is be happy, but I like writing and I will go back to that. I still have all my notes and all my bits and bobs here. And eventually I'll sit down and start writing again, eventually. But right now I'm loving what I do now. I think it's, it's I think anything entertainment wise, there is only few people that ever get to the point where they can make enough to live comfortably off it. Yeah, There is hundreds of people that, might have one thing happen or might have nothing happen at all. They're just as talented, but it is that right place, right time yep. and a bit of 100%. luck, isn't it? It's right place, right time. And there's a statistic I read a while ago that there's a 2% global success rate for screenwriters who actually make a living off screenwriting and solely screenwriting. I came, oh, excuse me, I came very close to it. Um, I met this award-winning writer on the train to Edinburgh by complete chance once. Um, and we happened to be editing scripts and... I was I ended up talking to him. He, I ended up him, showing him a script that I'd written. Um, and then two months later, he invited me to his house and said, I want you to be my, um, I want you to be my, uh, what's 
script commenter uh, basically read what he's writing and then make edits. Script supervisor, script editor. I can't, make, I can't even remember the word. Um, and I had like signed a contract. I was gonna, we were gonna be going and working on a, a TV series down in London, um, and I was gonna be working on a film in LA, and we were gonna be back and forth and flying and all this kind of stuff. And I had that all signed. I was super excited. I was like, actually, 20, 21, 22. And I was there. I was about to be traveling and going editing scripts. I mean, sat in the rooms with the big cheese. And I didn't hear from him for three months. And he decided to ditch all of the projects and work on his book instead. And I was gutted. (laughs) (laughs) So that was like two things for me. It was one, I was good enough at one point to do that. Someone thought of me good enough to do it. And two, it was just kind of shows the fight kind of that's needed in order to succeed in that industry yeah no i i can imagine it's um i i don't think it's an industry i would like to to work in um i think you've got to yeah you've got to be very lucky to get a good success out of it um okay so you've um you said earlier as well that you used to work in a whiskey shop um i like whiskey um you you are in scotland it's the home of whiskies um so um what's your favorite whiskey have you got a recommendation for me of not having like, cause normally it's like a 16 bottle of famous grouse from Tesco's. <laughs> I have had some really expensive whiskeys before and it's like, I can't justify spending that amount, but yeah. What's the good, what's your, what's your whiskey of, of choice? Are you a, do you like the peaty whiskeys, the smoked whiskeys? What's your mood thing for me? It's a mood and a weather. It's the same thing with food. I, I only kind of want to eat what I'm in the mood for. My favorite food is what I'm in the mood for. Um, whiskey, my favorite brand is Old Polly, which is from Wick, um, in the very north of Scotland. But I'm very partial to a Campbellton whiskey, which is kind of between Highland and uh, an Islay. Um, so Highland malts are usually kind of very um, either on the sweet or mellow kind of uh, levels. West Coast is smokier. Campbellton had this kind of nice little meat. There's some really nice malts from like uh, Glen Scotia is a really good one. Um, Hazelburn is really nice. It depends. There's new whiskeys being released every year, and I'm unfortunately not near where well, I am. There's a really nice little whiskey shop in town um, called the Malt Room, and I there's always a drams too. But like I, I can go in now, and the kind of drams attract me are seventeen, twenty quid, <laughs> unfortunately. Um, but if I'm drinking just kind of something from the shops, I'll usually kind of go for a, an old pulte or Lagavulin as well. I love I love a Lagavulin. There was a Lagavulin released a few years ago. Uh, a nine-year-old um which was a limited edition and that went straight away but that was lovely see i i, I like um a jura see I, I have a love-hate relationship with yeah that. i think it's quite a i think it's quite a common thing a lot of people are like oh no i can't i don't like that at all but nice, I... it's a nice malt but i like things i i don't know they're new ones like they're they're seven wood and they're 18 and 21 are nice but see they're the journey is just a little bit there's other bog standards. I, I would much rather go to an, uh, an old Potley 12 than I would a Jura. Um, and there's other other things that I would try. I think it's just one of those ones that's a little bit amped up when it shouldn't be. <laughs> nice. I'm not going to say that's not nice. Uh, I'm not going to be snooty about it. I just prefer other ones. If they want to send you some free samples to change your mind, then you'll gladly accept. Oh, gladly accept. <laughs> um. Okay, we're we're flitting around slightly on today, but I I, I quite like that. So, um, you mentioned anime. Um, my, I've I've watched some. My my one of my favorite films is Akira. I think it's it's brilliant. Um, but it's quite a. It's I think it's quite a difficult 
genre to get into properly because it's quite a it's it's a very I'm not going to say weird, but it's very different to a to a there's Western such animation a huge spectrum for anime. I would almost say the 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 genre verse for anime far exceeds that of TV over in the West. Like the specificity of anime can be so particular. It's there there will be something for everybody out there. It just depends what your tastes are. So what's your what's a good? I'm 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 hitting you up for recommendations. What's a good recommendation for an anime film that's anime not film. Akira? See, I I love this film called Sword of the Stranger, um, which was done by Studio Bones in I think two thousand one. Um, I don't. You could probably find it online somewhere. The DVD, There's not really any DVDs over here of it. You can buy a DVD from Australia, but that was like forty quid. And I know that because I looked um, <laughs> and I found a digital download of it. So I got that. But that's like, how would, I, how would I put that? It's like an Edo period samurai film. And it's just got absolutely stunning music and fight scenes in it. Um, it's about this kid who's being um, tracked down by the Chinese to be made part of a uh, ceremony to be killed for making the elixir of life for the Chinese emperor. And he comes across this uh, Japanese uh samurai who's uh kind of outcast and used to lead armies um and just kind of chooses to seclude live a separate a lone life and it's about the him saving this boy and the kind of their circumstances becoming entwined and him rescuing and going on this journey with this kid I, I love it and do you watch the dubbed version or do you watch the proper sub <laughs> du- dubbed <laughs> do you yep. oh really sub. yep i watch everything <laughs> sub i can't i did an essay about this because the vernacular of Japanese to the the syntax doesn't match up for me. The, the, it sounds weird when, for me anyway, when an American or a Brit is trying to sound like a Japanese, I just don't think. They oh, so you watch dubbed? Uh, sorry, you watch you watch signed the subtitles. I, I watch the subtitles. Ah, sorry, I thought you said dubbed. Ah, no, see, oh, oh, yes, I, yes, I, I. I just, I just don't think it matches up. Although, like, see Ghibli, that's because that's more of those films are, are come on, on a completely different spectrum. But when you've got voices like Christian Bale and Liam Neeson voicing and stuff like uh, Ponyo, then it does work. But I, I, I'm just not into it, personally. See, I'm the same for any any film that's not in the English language. I will always watch the sign, the subtitled version rather than the dubbed. Because I just... One, they nearly always get really bad actors. <laughs> <laughs> you just don't do the parts very well. And you just ruin it. And I, I can quite happily... Some people can't, but I can quite happily watch a subtitled film. Yeah. Um, some of the stuff on Netflix is the sort of the Korean and the Korean films that are out in Netflix are just brilliant. And I just couldn't bear to watch that in a badly yeah. dubbed version. Um, so as you studied film at university, um, can you watch a movie without looking at it and going, oh, do you know, that camera angle's good. That shot's really nice. Every now and again, I'll I, I kind of tune in and out. I, I it's like a, a mode. Like I can watch something. A lot of the time, I have TV on or film on just in the background. Um, I like noise. But if I'm like sat down to watch a film, um, like I can see when I well, I think I can see when things are good or bad, or I can appreciate some stuff. Of like every now and again, there'll be like a shot, and it's like, how the hell did they do that? Or that was really impressive, or that was stunning, or um nolan's quite good at that see i watched tenant recently i haven't seen that yet oh it's 
I think it's one of those ones you're going to have to go back and watch about four times to try and figure out where you are, when you are, and what the hell is going on in a lot of it. It's very good, though. It was much better than I thought it was going to be, uh, much better than the reviews made. But, yeah, very good. I have a thing for long shots, so single-take long shots. Tarantino. Say again? Tarantino. Yes. But also, um, there was one, the... um, uh, Is it The Tower? And it's about 13 minutes. It's a martial arts film. It's about 13 minutes and it follows him. And it's just, it's so beautifully choreographed. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I have a thing, proper long shots. I just find very interesting. So I'm sort of sat there going, how? Now, could you imagine? Get- That's what Hateful Eight was. was just stunning long shots. Um, and what else? What else does long shots? The, the, the cinema in Asia, I think, especially with old classics with like Kurosawa, and an Otsu, they they love designing their shots to be quite long. So stuff like um, Tokyo Story, I think they had quite long shots and that are really interesting ways to shoot. Very very still camera uh, or no camera movement at all, and then just designing the the mise en scène to be just like choreographed. Uh, beauty it was just i loved it it's, it's like a dance isn't it almost it's like a and you can just imagine it's like 30 minute long shot and it's you mess up the last line mm-hmm. <laughs> imagine how yeah. much hate you get <laughs> why people wouldn't like you um i i'm gonna ask because when i first started watching your videos um i wasn't quite sure if you were english uh sorry if you were from the uk because your accent is it's sort of and then all of a sudden it was like, oh, you're, the Scottish comes out a little bit. But there is, is there a mix of different, because it, it, I, I, I actually thought you were American, not. actually, to be fair, to start no, with. I don't think I'm Canadian or American. Um, I was, I, I moved around a lot in Scotland and England, um, but I, I am from here. I've never <laughs> lived anywhere else. My dad's, my dad's English, my mum's Italian. Um I don't have any American relatives and it's, it, I don't, I think it's, I've worked in tourism for a long time. Um, so I don't really know. I don't, I don't know what was the answer to that question. <laughs> is that your phone? Which phone's that? Is that phone one or two? <laughs> business phone. <laughs> so what have you learned in your starting of this business? Um, in your, in the three months you've been open and the, however many months you've been planning, you were planning and setting up the business. What have you what have you learned? What are the lessons that you've that you would say to someone after doing it? Oh, I've learned so much. Everything every, I learn stuff new all the time. I mean, I found out after about three weeks that I've been using the wrong pasta recipe. <laughs> the flour that was interesting. I was wondering why I was having to fight it so much. Um, all sorts like. Keep a top of your if you're working in the kitchen. Keep it top of your paperwork like you would a professional one. Um, all sorts. Marketing is so important as well. Like, there's some great businesses out there, but I mean, I've got to. I've got over two thousand on Facebook and about fourteen hundred on Instagram. And I've got more followers than some places that, in town that have been open for years. Um, I mean, if I, I'm I'm trying to get closer to town so I can be busier, and I'm sure it would be if I was actually in town rather than a little bit out. Uh, but time management is super important. So not working flat out all the time always looking for what's next not never just kind of settle but always look for like what's next and what's coming up not to be work shy as well like 
always going to be making sure that you're on top of things because they can catch up on you really quickly when you're doing everything by yourself. Um, and also being aware of your mental health and knowing when to stop too. I mean, I quite happily work for long days, long hours, because I'm doing it for me. But also there's some time where I'll be like, I really see if the cinema, oh, the cinemas are open this week, actually. Yes. The cinema was open and did like late showings. I would quite happily finish a shift, go to the cinema and watch a film. Or when, when I've got the money, get a gym membership, because I'm finding that I've got more times in the morning now. I'm finding that I've streamlined the whole business a lot better now so I can start like making the pasta at like three o'clock in the afternoon and I'll be fine. Uh, so it's just about managing everything and being, I make countless lists. I've been through so many books. I make lists pretty much every night about what I have to do the next day. Um, um, I'm on the phone with my partner quite a lot as well. And so I get her whilst I'm falling asleep in bed. I'm like writing lists and like, remind me to get onions in the morning. I need to get onions. <laughs> I forgot about that. It's like last minute things I'm just remembering as I'm falling to sleep. Make sure I write the lists down and send them to me. Cause I will forget. Because I am so busy all the time, I will forget. <laughs> Excellent. Um, right. So, where can we find you um, on your social media and also um, the website for your business? If people are in in Inverness and they want to go and have some um, nice freshly cooked pasta, where can we uh, where can we find all your details? So, I'm on Facebook and Instagram as Tagliotello, and that's like you're spelling uh, Tagliotelli, but the last half of the word is Otello, which is my name. Um, you can find me at Bogbane Farm. I change my days and my hours according to what's busy and what's not. So I'll probably be changing them again sometime soon. And when I'm moving spots or when I'm going places, um, I try to keep everything as updated as possible. My number is also available on my Facebook and my website, which is just tagalutella.com. And you can call me, you can text me, ask for availabilities, any kind of questions that you need regarding the business. Um, it's I'm pretty open. I always have my phone on me, as you can hear. Um <laughs> so everything's on the Facebook and Instagram. My TikTok is Otello Jack. I didn't expect it to be kind of be so synonymous with the business, but it has become that. Uh Jack's my middle name, which is why I put it down as that rather than Tagli Otello. <laughs> um and yeah, those are the main details. I pri I put post new menus pretty much weekly because I'm always keeping it different and changing things up. I add add this and change that up. So it's always fresh and new. It's it's never it's always something interesting or something that takes my fancy. And you've got merch on your website, I noticed today. Yeah, so I haven't actually done any of that yet. So I had loads of people asking me for merch and I was just trying to find the best way to kind of make it affordable and so that I because right now on the prices that I was given, um, I was making like Two pounds. Three pounds, three pounds <laughs> off a 25 quid hoodie, for example. But I think what I'm going to do is, because it's been sat there not doing anything for a little while, I think I'm just going to put them up and I'll put orders out at the ends of months. But again, it's it's only me doing everything here. So I just can try and make, to make sure that I'm not taking on too much. Uh, you can have a merch drop, I think is what they say, isn't it? Yeah, so like, I'll do I'll do a, a merch. Oh, well, I wouldn't look that term up. But yeah, I'm, my plan is to do the to do a post out at the end of each month, basically. So stuff goes out monthly. Yeah, see, I was I was looking at merch for for hours of podcast, um, and it's like, oh yeah, that's good. Yeah, it's only like twenty pound or for that for that, and it's like, yeah, you make one pound seventy. It's really <laughs> you're looking at ten fifteen percent of what you're supposed to be making with merchandise. It's as much a marketing thing as well as people wanting to kind of help support you. My, I was actually going to be because people want to support me, but merch is not the way to do it, seemingly. So I think I'm actually I'm working on a bunch of different ideas from setting up my own 
Patreon and doing recipes and talks and uh, cooking things for people. I've got people that have been messaging me from Canada, States, Portugal, Netherlands, all over the shop, Australia. Um, so people who can't come and get food, but really want to try it. And maybe I'll do like, I would do a Patreon where I can show them how to make what I make, for instance. Um, and if you can do a gluten-free one that you can give me the recipe for, that'd be good. Come <laughs> <laughs> to myself, like the oxtail and the tiramisu, those are very prevalent. Um, but it's also like, and I use source ingredients, and that's half the thing with Italian food is how good your ingredients are. And I get to make sure that mine is fresh and top-notch and local. I've now got access to the botanical gardens in Inverness where I can go and pick fresh basil that's grown in Inverness. Today, I tried out a chocolate mint, like a leaf of mint that tastes like mint and chocolate what how exactly what <laughs> i know it blew my mind as well it was like try that and i tried it, it was like it tastes this um like there's types of basil that you can get which uh tastes uh like other things too so it, it he's got gardeners down there and he says if you want me to get the guy that i'm speaking to is called ben senior fantastic guy loving the bits um and he was like yeah if you want stuff grown i was like so I'll, i make my own limoncello um, which I call Limontello. <laughs> I'm very much a fan of puns. Um, so if I wanted to make limoncellos, it would be amazing if they grew the lemons and then I would make it from that. I, so I'm now kind of getting fresh grown produce grown in Inverness from supporting another local place. So it's just that kind of stuff. So that's the quality ingredients. So I can give recipes out, coming back to my main point, I can give recipes out, but it's all about the quality of ingredients with Italian food. We will look forward to seeing it, and I, I know I'll continue to follow you on uh, on TikTok because you do you do bring a, a, a smile to my face whenever your videos um, come on, um, because know. literally you are like a, a a bouncing happy person in your. Um, say again. Pocket rocket. Pocket rocket. That's it. That's a good. That's a good analogy. Um, Otello, thank you so much for joining us on the interviews. My pleasure. These three media.